All right, so First Timothy. Paul wants us to be spiritually fit and healthy. His purpose in writing to young Timothy was to encourage him to keep to himself, to keep himself and the church spiritually fit by eating what was spiritually healthy and by exercising themselves to godliness. Paul had addressed the essentials of the church conduct during his earlier ministry in Ephesus, but he also felt the need to remind Timothy of these things again. Like, like us, like we often need to be reminded, like the Lord, you know, you go through something and the Lord has you maybe another year or a few months later, you're going through the same thing again. So he's reminding Timothy of these um, essential things again. As you go through these next few chapters in the weeks ahead, you will see he gives order for the church authority and how it is to be run. I like that. I like order. So there are very important essentials that we need to be spiritually fit and healthy in our lives. It's written by Paul to Timothy and gives us a glimpse into his heart, the love as an older apostle that he has for Timothy, reflecting the concerns which burdened him near the end of his ministry. These letters then deal with the care and organization. Come on in, it's okay. <laughs> there should be some empty chairs. I know there's one here and one right at that table. These letters then deal with the care and organization of the flock of God. They tell men how to behave within the household of God. They give instructions as to how God's house should be administered, as to what kind of people the leaders and the pastors of the church should be, and as to how the threats which endanger the purity of the Christian faith and life should be dealt with. Isn't it wonderful that we have all these letters that were given so that we know how to conduct ourselves in the house of the Lord as well? It is because human need and the human situation do not change that God speaks to us through them today. Isn't it amazing how long ago these were written and some, you can read it and it's like so powerful, it just touches you, like it just like, oh. First Timothy is a real corrective book. Um, Timothy was the son of a Greek father, and th I, I, this is really interesting to me, but his mother and grandmother were Jewish. No mention of his father being a Christian, but his mom and grandma, Lois, Eunice and Lois, were both known for their sincere faith. So it's important, women, that you have that sincere faith because you don't know how you're, you know, look what happened with him. It changed his life. He was living in Lystra, Lystra when Paul visited that city on his first missionary journey. He may have heard the first, he may have first heard the gospel through Paul because Paul refers to Timothy as my true son in the faith. And I love that because often you want your mom or your grandmom, or someone to be mentoring you and leading you. And here, Paul refers to him as my true son in faith. So it's okay if you don't have that. God will bring it to you in your life. He was his primary mentor and may have even led Timothy to Christ. And I just want to encourage you, all of you, whatever age you are, to take spiritual daughters under your wing, to mentor them. Wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, find a Timothy and reach up and reach out. You don't have to be perfect. None of us are. And I don't think you and I will ever really know how important it is that you take that girl and mentor her. 
And it could be simplest things, having coffee with her once in a while, going to lunch, just loving on her. She, this may be completely new that she's never experienced that. Um, I know for me, it was huge. I would not be up here if the Lord did not have my aunt and uncle move back to Vineland to start a Calvary Chapel. And then she on her own, she, she had two little kids and a husband and they were starting a church. I, I don't, I mean, it's scary to say, oh, I'll, I'll, I would love to like minister to a 14 year old who has, you know, is crazy you know, has no guidance, you know, I mean, that's really risky. I, I know there were times in my life where I wanted to, like, minister to young girls, but I was so protective of my three young girls that it made me fearful to reach out and to really pull women, you know, a younger woman in. I would meet with them, but to have them move into my home, and that disrupts your whole, I mean, her son moved out of his bedroom so I could have a bedroom at 15, um, and I just, you know, I just really want to encourage you because um, my you could save her from a ton of regrets and I don't honestly do not know and don't want to know where my life would be if she didn't just start getting me for dinner I mean that's what she did she just would say hey you want to come for dinner and I was like yeah well, that would be awesome and then she would serve like broccoli and and she says that I used to, they used to have to tell me, it's okay, there's enough. She said I would really fill my plate because I just wasn't used to, it's not like who I was living with were bad people. We just didn't sit down for dinner. I don't remember them ever cooking, my grandmother ever cooking. They worked. They worked factory work and they worked all the time. Um, McDonald's, like I just remember I, I went to McDonald's a lot. I ate cereal a lot. It just was a whole new thing for me, like just blew my mind away. So you could save her from a whole lot of regrets just by reaching out to her. Timothy also became Paul's faithful representative and messenger. Timothy had become so dear to Paul that in the apostle's last message was a touching appeal for Timothy to join him in his final days of imprisonment, 2 Timothy 4, 9, and 21. After being released from his first Roman imprisonment, Paul, with Timothy by his side, revisited some of the churches in Asia, including Ephesus. On his departure from Ephesus, Paul left Timothy behind to provide leadership to the church. So Paul has to leave. He leaves Timothy to lead, provide leadership, but he's young. He was somewhat passive. He was timid, and he was easily intimidated. That's none of us, right? So that's why Paul would repeatedly spur him into action. 1 Timothy 1, 3, 4, 11. We all need encouragement. He was let to nothing, including his youth, stand in the way of his performance of duty. You young women that are here tonight, I cheer you on that you're here. I, I just think it's fabulous. It warms my heart. It's just like, yes, because you get it right now. There's no regrets later. Like, you just grow and seek the Lord, and he'll bless you abundantly. Like a good soldier, he was to fight the good fight, 1 Timothy 6.12. So here's a quick overview of each chapter. And I'm praying that it will just get you excited about what's to come as we dig deeper in each chapter as in the future weeks ahead. So chapter one, he teaches us about sound doctrine, the nature of the false doctrine. He tells Timothy to instruct men not to teach strange doctrine or pay attention to myths or genealogies that give rise to speculation. He warns Timothy about false teachers he says that the goal of their instruction is to love from a good conscience and a sincere faith. 
Paul explains his personal transformation. He tells Timothy that Jesus Christ has put him in the ministry by the grace of God, even though he was a blasphemer and a prosecutor of Christians. In verse 16, he says, I found mercy. Keep the faith. Don't suffer shipwreck like David and Bathsheba. How many, as you keep walking with the Lord, how many do you see friends of yours that just suffer, suffer shipwreck because they have failed to keep Jesus on the throne? It's heartbreaking. Um, I know couples with, that were little, like we were having babies together that are no longer married. And it's just, it just breaks your heart that they have, um, they didn't keep the faith. They just got off of it and one thing led to another. And it's those little tiny compromises that just keep happening. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's just destroyed. Chapter, chapter 2, he talks about the worship assembly, a call to prayer. Paul says in verse 1, Therefore I exalt, exhort first of all the supplications, prayers, intercessors, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Pray for the leadership of this church, ladies. He explains there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He also says how men and women should act in the assembly, what Paul says men and women should be like in the church. This is where it might get a little uncomfortable because so many churches are not holding to the standard of the written world, written word, not the world. <laughs> no, no, no. He gives instructions on how women should dress, and he says, I do not allow women to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. In chapter 3, we, we learn about church leaders and the character of leaders. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sold, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own home, how will he take care of the church of God? The qualifications of a deacon we see in chapter 3. He talks about great is the mystery, and I love this. The spirit of the truth lives in you, and you can feel it. Do you ever get that really weird uh, feeling, uh, just like uncomfortable? It's like a check from this, the Lord saying something's not right. Um, I walk my neighborhood. I walk lots of neighborhoods with Marley. That's what we do to get our wiggles out. But I like to walk for fun. That's just my exercise. And um, there's two houses in my neighborhood that I faithfully, uh, at first, I couldn't even walk the neighborhood because it made me so sick to my stomach. Um, but there's two of them that I walk by and I literally, my stomach starts to hurt. I just definitely have like an uneasy feeling. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, you know what's going on. I don't know why when I walk by, the, uh, who knows? And I know this happened to um, my, my um, mom, Neef. She would walk her neighborhood and one house was the same way. And here it was a drug, a drug house. And the cops had to stay in another house and break the whole thing up. And so, I, you know, sometimes we just think, oh, that's just me being silly. Pay attention. Because sometimes the spirits say, no, that something's not right. I mean, we don't need to know all the details or what it is. But just something, you know what I mean? Like, it's, he's trying to tell you something. So I, at first, 
now I walk it, and now I just pray for them faithfully. I pray for those two houses. I pray that the Lord would just remove the evil in the neighborhood, and I pray that God would come in. I pray that God would bring correction and that that God would shine his love into these houses, these two houses that are particularly that I get this weird feeling from. So he lives in you. You know, he's, sometimes he's just trying to tell you something. Um, as we seek truth, we won't be deceived by all the crazy stuff that's flying around. So that's chapter 3. Chapter 4, he talks about false teachers and the appearance of false and the appearance of false teachers. Verses 1 through 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot iron. So we have to be aware of the false teachers. He says how to respond to false teachers. Then he says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Verse 7, but re reject profound, profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. So there's that exercise in to be spiritually fit. We're to exercise toward godliness. It's not going to just, we're not just going to get up in the morning and put it on. It's got to be, we got to be trained in it. And that's mainly by sitting and having your devotions. That's where you'll grow, really grow the most. When we get our eyes on Jesus, he's so powerful that then the stuff we're dealing with goes in its proper perspective. Isn't that the truth? When you feel like your world's caving in and you just can't put your finger on it and you sit with him and get your eyes back on him and he floods you with his peace... No matter the circumstances, the situation, the family crisis, uh, the diagnosis, you fill in the blank. I know we all walk, he has, he has different walks for all of us. But when you sit with him, he pours into you and he floods you with that peace. He makes you, okay, how am I going to walk? How am I going to drive? How am I going to do life without my spouse, without my husband? And he enables you. He's faithful. He's committed. He'll meet you there. And it's just a powerful, powerful, he's so powerful. Chapter 5, he talks to the church members. He gives instructions on how the older and younger members should behave, how we should handle disagreeing in the church. Yes, lady, we will disagree. I love the detail he gives in Chapter 5 because if we are really a family, which is what church is, like I view you guys as my family, we're going to have disagreements, just like any other family. And this is how you work through them and grow. The Lord shows us how to work through them and grow. A lot of people will just abandon ship. They don't like the way you responded or what decision was made. But really, true growth comes from staying and seeing it to the other side. Praying, seeking what the Lord has in it. What are his truths? Not mine. Not your truth. What does the Lord have in this? And we are all just a bunch of people that are trying to love God and do our best, right? There will be times when it's harder, but that doesn't mean you divorce your family. You, you walk through it. You keep going. It means you stay and you grow together. The shepherds are encouraged to care for widows and watch out for the wolves. The pastor in this church carries a great responsibility to not let heresy in. Nobody likes to be told they're wrong, but the church needs to stay the course. 
So the pastor has to be kind, but brave and lead well. So we'll learn all about that in chapter five. Lastly, chapter six, he talks about the Christian servant. Verse six, he says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. That's a good one, isn't it? We live in a world that constantly tells us that you need a little bit more, whatever that is. Each one of us are different. Whatever it is, um, you're raising little ones. You need this right uh, stroller, this right, um, you know, all the, the high end or the, this name brand, certain ones that, to be able to parent the right way um, or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, it's constantly telling us this will make us happy when we realize in reality it doesn't make us happy. It might for that moment but then it's gone, you know, later on it's gone, and then we're constantly trying to uh, fill it again. So this is something where um, God is always stretching me, you know, contentment is, is you know, you think, you, you, I think for women, um, we have our own agenda. You know, I'm a list maker, I'm a planner, and I think that's good. I don't think it's healthy for us to just lay on the couch all day. I think we, sh we should be women who are productive. If you're a homemaker, you be very productive as a homemaker. I was for 12 years, and I've never gone back to work full time. And I just love I love making the home the way I want it to make. It's just it's just been it wasn't easy at first when I left my job. I really found my um, my fulfillment as, as a nurse and working in a hospital. And I knew as an LPN, probably when I left the hospital, I wouldn't be going back to the hospital. And then 12 years later, I, I got back into a hospital in York, Pennsylvania. I was at Memorial Hospital. I couldn't believe I got back in on a floor. And I was like, okay, Lord, you are faithful. What, what you take away because of a season, we just wanted to be home with our, I wanted to be home with our girls because we didn't have family in York near us. We didn't have an option and we could not afford childcare at all. Um, it just was, it just was our, what we wanted for our family. Every family's different. Um, but it sure is hard when you're seeing and struggling with what, what you're finding yourself needing or wanting. So you got to really like, are the, is, you know, my husband said, is this a want or is this really a need? You know, you got to really, I think the world uh, throws at us the wants are a need and they're really not. They're really not. Anyway, verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Verse 11, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. We are encouraged in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What's so incredible as we go through 1 Timothy a little bit deeper each week, God's going to speak to you. Be praying. Lord, what do you have for me this week? What, where do you want me to grow at? What, what, what do I need to let go of? Or what should I be doing more of? Or whatever it is, you know, ask the Lord. He'll, he's so faithful to show you and, and uh, make that clear. What's so powerful about the Holy Spirit is he speaks to each one of us individually right where you are in your own growth. And we're all growing um, in our own ways. And I'm glad that we're not all the same. That would be so boring, wouldn't it? I like it that we're all at different levels and we get to encourage each other and love one another. And um, we are all at different places and your sins are not my sins and my sins are not your sins. 
We're all struggling and becoming like Christ. My prayer is that we all know, we will know God's will, and we will do that. Listen to this. My prayer is that we will know God's will, and we will do that even though everything in us says no. But we will win the battle over our mind. His ways are not our ways. That's me, that whole thing right there. The battle. The whole time I'm like prepping for this, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, the whole wrestling for weeks, you know, it just wrestling, Lord, what? I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not. I, I just, I, I, I'm willing, but I don't have, you know, a degree in this. I'm not the best um, speaker, and I speak fast when I get nervous, and then, so anyway, but this is, this is what I want to do. My prayer is that we will know God's will, and we will do that will, even though everything in us says no, but that we will win the battle over our mind. Isn't that true? Our mind is so strong as women. Our feelings, our emotions are so strong. And if we let them be in charge, we will wreck our lives. His ways are not our ways, but if we will obey and make the contrary choice, we will see the glory of God. Whatever you're dealing with. And this I leave with you. It's very profound. I've been saying it all for a couple weeks now. Miracles are hidden in surrender and trust. Whatever that trial is you're walking through, maybe you want a husband really bad and the Lord hasn't brought that husband. Have you surrendered and you trust him? Or are you trying to figure it out? Or are you trying to fix the ex-boyfriend and make him be the husband? That maybe God says, no, I'm sorry. He's not the one. Or um, whatever it is. Surrender and trust, ladies, in whatever it is that you're walking through. Uh, lay it at his feet. Trust him. He's faithful. He's going to meet you there. He's going to meet us in Timothy, First Timothy. Each week, I'm super excited. I'm excited to keep the faith. We need to be encouraged to be keeping the faith during this time when everything is screaming, run away. <laughs> this, this world is, is getting very um, stressful. I don't even like to watch the news because it just stresses me out and scares me. But here we are, a team of, you know, look around. This is wonderful. There's 35 women here who want to grow and want to seek the Lord. And so um, I just thank you for coming. And that is our introduction to First Timothy. Let's just pray.